I screwed up. That's why it's MMO Weekly today. More of that in a minute. But this is September 30th, 2019. 31 years to the day of the release of the Chris Columbus picture, Heartbreak Hotel. I am your co-host, Mike One. This is co-host also, Mike. So I had to ask you a bunch of questions about this movie. <laughs> yes. Who's in it? Who, who I don't I know. <laughs> what is it? Yes. What is it? I, I'm just guessing, you know, the line of the movie was, I'm so lonely, baby. Yeah, that's I it. could die. Nailed it. <laughs> There's no way that film had the rights to the Elvis song. Absolutely not. <laughs> And yet, you would expect that would be the only reason you go see it. Of course, yes, to, to have that Elvis stuff. Let's talk, touch on this real quick, because we do have a lot to go into. We know at the end of the Joker episode, we promised we were flipping <laughs> MMO Weekly and Oscar Race Checkpoint this week, and that was our intent. I am dumb. I totally forgot that was our plan of action, and I prepared MMO Weekly ahead of time, just plain not remembering that the plan was Oscar Race Checkpoint. We didn't have time to prepare two episodes, so we just said, screw it. Mike is nice enough to say, let's go forward with MMO Weekly right now, so for one more week at least, you're getting MMO Weekly on your Monday to start off your week. Yeah, you're flogging yourself like Paul <laughs> Bettany in the Da Vinci Code here, but I, I do think it works out. I mean, we're going to be able to cover one timely Oscar story about the Irishman up top yes. in this episode, and I think for Oscar Race Checkpoint, we have a ton of Joker stories, so if we release that right. Thursday or Friday, that's right around the premiere, you'll get one final preview for the Joaquin Phoenix movie, so I do think it works out this week. Maybe I was jumping the gun on trying to flip those yet. We still did an award-centric episode last week. It was just Mike, Mike, and Emmy. It was a little different, but it was a lot of fun. And we got a loaded Oscar race checkpoint for you later in the week. So, and loaded MMO Weekly as well. Let's (laughs) get into it with some news of the week. News, 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 Something happened at the New York Film Festival? Yeah, a little something. Uh, The Irishman is drawing rave reviews. Rotten Tomatoes has it as 100% on 41 reviews. Last I looked yesterday, 8.3 IMDb, 92 Metascore Michael. Very, very, very very high scores across the board. The Hollywood Reporter's David Rooney, he gushed about all three of the central performances. De Niro, Pacino, Pesci, everybody saying all glowing things about them that have Mm. seen this already. Multiple people have seen it multiple times. You bastards. Mm -hmm. Uh, The most shocking quote in his review, this is David Rooney again, about Pesci, quote, gives a superbly measured performance what? as a Don whose quiet thoughtfulness and composure don't no. sell his ruthlessness. Not a fan of this, Michael. I'm just shocked. <laughs> How is this possible? I mean, the two iconic Pesci roles in Scorsese movies from Casino and Goodfellas, he was a loose cannon yeah. if that cannon was rolling down a mountain, <laughs> firing intermittently. Correct? This is, would be totally different for him. If he gets in the supporting actor race and is nominated, I'm done with predicting. That's my mountaintop. I'm going out on top that of that That would be a one. great prediction. And it seems right on with all these reviews. We have uh, Ann Thompson from IndieWire saying The Irishman will be an Oscar epic for Netflix. Scott Feinberg of That Hollywood Reporter. He says it's the real deal and thinks that a, quote, male-dominated Academy won't be able to resist a film made this well by so many beloved legends, most of whom appear willing to beat the pace in support of what could be their last rodeo together. So never mind a male-dominated academy. This is white person love fest this year for Best Picture, I think. Mm -hmm, I mean, mm -hmm. we said 
ideally 2019 best picture of the big six categories would be if Quentin Tarantino brought his A game and Martin Scorsese brought his A game and they go head to head. And that seems to be what we're getting. I mean, right now, if you look at Gold Derby for the last couple of weeks, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood has been the premier property that has been at the top of a lot of those lists as far as best actor, supporting actor, best picture as well, director, et cetera, et cetera. Scorsese's The Irishman. Was it going to live up to his promise? It seems to have done that. So yes, it's male. Yes, it's overly white. But it might be the best. Look, white people suck. And <laughs> they need more patience. Last year, in, in our opinion, they picked a subpar movie in a very belligerent way. And it was a mm-hmm. white person movie that they promoted and overhyped. I mean, Green Book was solid. I don't think it was best picture worthy Neither in any there. world. But it was like this backlash. It was ridiculous. It was ridiculous to us. And if they just had more patience, you white idiots, <laughs> we could have picked. We could have just waited for a year where Tarantino and Scorsese come out with great white people movies. Where Greta Gerwig just comes out with a, a phenomenal white people movie. You got three white people movies coming out this year you idiots but i'm the one that turns off our trump listeners (laughs) Uh, whereas everybody that did get their hands on this and was able to see this at the new york film festival and others going forward we the lay people were treated to a second trailer for the irishman instead to build up anticipation i love this i don't know if it's the waves of adoration uh, after the first screenings talking here but I i was very skeptical of this movie but i think this is one of the better trailers of the year if not the best I loved all the back and forth between Ray Romano and De Niro. I, I love the performances that we get to see from Pacino, even though you have an issue with that scene. And, you know, Pesci is showing that measured performance here. We probably should have suspected it, but I still can't believe it. This looks infinitely better than the first one. Right. And all the worries that we brought up from the first look. Is that the case because we heard all the glowing reviews about it? Maybe in my mind, it might subconsciously. Be. It probably yes. is. Right. Look. Yes, it looks great, et cetera, et cetera. I co-sign everything you said. Has Ray Romano ever not played Ray Romano? Get out of my show. Has <laughs> he ever played anyone else? I, I think he's a perfect casting for this. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. Buffalino or whatever his name is. <laughs> <Right. Buffalino. laughs> this is so funny. I, it's got to be the guy's real name, though. But I just uh, I loved all the back and forth between them where you, they're showing all the terrible things De Niro did on the job. And he's asking him, did you do the, these things wrong? And you ever you hit anybody on the job? On the job. <laughs> no, I mean, and then there's that scene with Papa Pacino taking a uh, charging gun. He's basically doing the old man thing. He's like, you charge a gun, you run from a knife. Listen, That's all what this you do. Wisdom I have, yeah. But it's ridiculous. But it's kind of good. I mean, it's good in the performance. He's slamming a table. You're getting a lot of Pacino in this he, one as Pacino's well. Pacino's bringing it too. He's very animated. This is like scent of a woman era. Pacino. He's giving his all out. He's dan- raising his hands and arms and dancing around, and he's doing a lot of animated movements. So maybe the, the you know maybe the old guys have a few tricks left in himself. Channeling the whoas. Yeah. The, and I don't mean the the Sopranos diction, <laughs> you know, choice or the Sunny. Yeah. Right. Uh, I mean, the hoo-ahs. Yeah. And he's channeling those into other ways in, in his latter Agreed. years. But, Mike, I love the montage towards the end of this. I thought the music choice was perfect. I'm going to seek out that song. I thought it was, you know, it was, it was awesome. Uh, and then it ends with that funny line, what do you want to know, if I did it or not? <laughs> so De Niro, too. He's got his face on. Has he entered the stage where he knows he can parody himself but get away with it? Because that was like if anybody was doing a parody of Robert De Niro, except it was Robert De Niro doing it. <laughs> I, I loved it. And I'll be honest with you, Mike. I think the biggest takeaway from this trailer is that the VFX, the de-aging stuff, 
worked in this one. Yeah, you didn't I have agree. the big reveal of it. It just worked. And, and you have all these different ages of De Niro in this particular trailer. At the end, like Nikki Glaser said, he is looking a little bit like Alf, like he looks at Alf. <laughs> Which is the funniest line from that roast, by the way, of Alec Baldwin, Nikki Glaser, Robert De Niro over here looking like Alf, and he's just hunched over. I'll the, as far as the de-aging goes, Pesci's face, right? Mm. I mean... God bless him. He's been one. Of, he's been a Hollywood legend for years and years, and he's I love been, to see him back on screen. He's been out in Florida a little bit. Before. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I, are they going to de-age him because they give him some close-ups just in this trailer alone? And mm-hmm. he's, I mean, he, he's an old man face. God bless. Again, I, I'm not trying to be derogatory at all about these legends. They're old. Yeah, yeah he's of age. He's <laughs> lived a good life, and I wonder how that's going to parlay if they do take. I mean, I didn't see any harsh close-ups of De Niro. There's some like establishing shots where it's right. centered on him, but. I wonder the one, if they're going to shy away from that to, to right. have the de-aging be better or effective. I I was most impressed with the one where he's in the military. I, I, that looked like yeah, young, I agree with that. young Robert De Niro, yeah. deer hunter style. I thought that was tremendous. Looking forward to that, obviously. Big movie. I'm glad it seems to be living up to the hype. We'll be covering that every step of the way when we get our hands on it through Netflix. Uh, there was another massive story that happened this week, Michael. Yeah, Disney and Sony are teaming up for one more Spider-Man movie. John Watts is in talks to uh, direct that, coming back to do his third film in the series, Mike. A bunch of details that really surprised me and that I'm very happy about here. Agree. This kind of came out of nowhere. Right. I mean, Sony a couple days ago announced the big 11-picture thing, and one of those was Madam Web, and they were going to build this richer Spider-Verse on their side. And then the next day or the day after, this came, dropped from the heavens that Kevin Feige's back in the fold, Sony and Marvel are going to team up again, all well that ends well, Spider-Man's going to go forward with another MCU movie. It's got its release date already for July 16th, 2021. As part of that arrangement, Spider-Man will appear in a future Marvel movie, so it's a package deal. Yes, Kevin Feige will be involved after he was kind of the big part of that story, Mike. But look at these financing numbers. Apparently, that 95-5 split for the first two movies was what the case was, at least as confirmed by Anthony D'Alessandro for Deadline, who's covered this, who's done a, a wonderful job, I will say. Again, I know I've sung his praises before, but... This deal is going to be more of a a 25-75 split where Disney's going to provide 25% of the funding and get back 25% of the equity in the film. I'm surprised that Sony's actually giving up so much. Disney won this negotiation is what we came away with, and that's a shock to us because we thought that all the posturing was going towards the Sony route. We both were in agreement on that. We're idiots for underestimating Disney and their power play here because this is a magnanimous win for them. They go from 5% of the take to 25% of the take. They basically get everything they want. They get Spider-Man in another movie. I love the fact that Feige was also very complimentary about the Spider-Verse and the fact that this Spider-Man is going to be be the only superhero to be able to cross cinematic universes because really cool. of what Sony's uh, doing with their Sinister Six and with their Venom stuff and with their Spideyverse, literally, in his quote there. I, I love that. That's really classy, isn't it? And there was report in that article as well that they, they think they're going to acknowledge each other within the films, like the Venom films might tip their hat as to what's going on in the MCU and the MCU vice versa. Oh, we got to get if Venom that's in cool, the MCU. Yeah, that'd be really, really cool. I think I think a lot of people want that, especially if Venom 2 does box office-wise and popularity-wise what the first Venom movie did. Disney, to me, though, was all over the place in these negotiations, and I'm surprised that at the Alessandro painted the picture that Sony was the one who agreed to the Disney deal and not vice versa. So right. Disney put this one out there, and Sony came to terms with them. 
But Disney was was a little crazed as far as I'm concerned. They go from uh, saying that the first deal that, that covered the first two pictures was a total non-starter to going up to close to 50-50 terms and de- right. demanding a, an even split to announcing there's no deal whatsoever to be made to immediately supposedly changing their tune after seeing how disappointed and outraged fans were at the D23 conference and how upset and depressed Tom Holland was over the way this all broke down. And this all happened within a month span. Like, basically every week they were changing their tune about what happens. So I'm surprised with that going on, I mean, it makes it awfully difficult to cut a deal with someone who keeps changing, moving the goalposts like that as far as a deal goes. But it's it's very deliberate, you know, to sure. po- posture with 50-50 after a 95-5, where Sony made out like a bandit. We talked about how that was a huge boon for them. Yeah, they said in the article that from the first movie alone, Sony took in $200 million plus in profits. Yeah, that, I mean, that's a huge right. win for Sony to get themselves back on track. You know, we've seen them through Amy Pascal, etc., really rehabilitating their image and their abilities, their capabilities as a studio with signing on Tarantino, with getting hits like Baby Driver, etc. I, I think they're doing a great job. Agree. But they're smart in the sense that, all right, let's work with the best in the business. That's Tarantino. That's Kevin Feige. You know, and they're willing to pay a premium for that, for one of their most valued rights in, in terms of intellectual properties. It makes sense to me for both sides in this deal. Yeah, I mean, they're keeping 75% total equity in a property that's going to make over a billion dollars again. And you know they're going to, yeah, you know they're going to get a piece of the Spider-Man spinoff movie. Maybe they're going to make more than they did last time on on that because they got a piece of the Avengers Endgame. They got a piece of all those other Spider-Man crossovers. Yeah, the 8% distribution, I think the article said as well, should should probably end up going to Sony. I was just surprised. I mean, like you said, if you're looking at it in a vacuum, it seems like Disney got the better end of this but they always do. But it's not like Sony's being left empty-handed. They're certainly getting plenty of their money's worth, uh, for lack of a better term. They're going to go forward with the Sinister Six movie. They're going to go forward with Venom 2. So good for everybody involved in this deal, right? Good for the fans, obviously. Good for Disney getting a bigger piece of the pie uh, as Marvel's been the one that's been doing the heavy lifting with these Spider-Man properties as far as the MCU goes, obviously. Good for Sony. Like I said, they're keeping three quarters of what's going to be another billion-dollar-plus property. Sure. And Spider-Man's going to appear in an additional MCU movie as well as part of this deal. So he's going to get his trilogy as well as appearing one more time good for tom holland for not keeping quiet and telling everyone how upset he was Put about this wolf, breaking down wolf of wall street gif out there <laughs> i'm not fucking leaving i'm not fucking leaving <laughs> great that's so great and mike most importantly good for me for telling everyone to calm down and that this deal would get done uh i just didn't it expect did. it to happen so quickly uh, but it tells us a lot about the movie industry because they got a plan so far ahead in development and because the MCU in particular plans so far ahead in development. I know we had two years worth of projects, mm-hmm. 11 or so projects, but it takes years to get these things together and get them together the right way, you know, because they do have a lot of stops and starts and just look at what's happening in Star Wars right now. Yeah, good segue there. Kevin Feige's going to be busy. He's going to be very busy. He joins many a big name. They're all developing Star Wars properties right now. Apparently he pitched, Kevin Feige pitched, a new story to Kathleen Kennedy at Lucasfilm, and they loved it. Is that the hook? Is that why this is okay, what Disney Disney thinks this is okay, what they're doing? Because we just got to a point where mm-hmm. we were, the market was completely oversaturated with Star Wars stories. We did. Like, we just got off a point where Disney said, well, I don't think there's a market for a Star Wars film every year, so let's roll it back and let's keep the main episodes going. We'll give Ryan Johnson a trilogy for the future. We'll give Benioff and Weiss a trilogy for the future. But now 
Feige's going to get one. Like, how many Star Wars properties are they going to give away? Here's the thing. I believe that they want to make this like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That's their hope. So you bring the head of that over, and and now they got a shot at doing so. But you need variants. Like, you look at the appetite for MCU movies. You can put out three, four, five a year, and people are going to see them in droves. I don't think, like, the prequel game is the best option for Star Wars and having to basically put a prequel out for every main character. I know that's fun for the fans to a degree. You could do some of that on the TV series, on the TV side of it. I I do think they really need to come up with a way to have, you know, maybe one prequel, but a lot of different stuff. You can have the Knights of the Old Republic, which was rumored to be, you know, the Benioff and Weiss project. Mm -hmm. You can have a new trilogy from Ryan Johnson. You can have whatever cool spinoff idea, or if it's an idea for a trilogy, whatever Kevin Feige brought to the table. You can have these three things from all of these great creators, and at least you're just you're putting the most talented people, some of the most talented people in the business, I should say, and you're involving them. To me, it's I'm very optimistic about this. I'm pretty hyped. Across the board, you don't have any reservations whatsoever, seeing how badly something like Solo just flopped. Is it but all because it's, it seems to be all new stories? Solo was such a mess, and they knew it was. We knew it was a mess mm-hmm. going in because of all the production nightmare that they right. went through, firing these people, hiring those people. Ron Howard just kind of swooping in, just trying, trying you know, to pull, it, it, yep. pull it together, trying to save it. And they kind of flirted with that disaster on Rogue One, but they actually pulled that one together so i think this is a much smarter way of doing things let's spend the money let's get our best people that we can find and let's have them develop things from scratch and they don't have to go with each one of these stories if david and dan Dan can't pull together mike they rejected there's a story this week they rejected george lucas's version for the force awakens going into this whole rebirth of star wars jj abrams version was was selected george Lucas wanted to do all this stuff about the metachlorians and all the mini stuff and they totally just said flat no and so if they can reject George Lucas they can reject anyone so if none of these guys bring it or only a couple of them bring it they can pick and choose I want to see George Lucas bring back uh, (laughs) Howard the Duck he should put his his efforts into remaking Howard the Duck for the MCU. George Lucas's great great grandkids never have to work again. <laughs> he can do whatever he want, but wants. He can do it under a pseudonym, maybe. <laughs> Lucas George, Luke Georgian. Uh, all right, three big stories, yeah. massive stories: Star Wars, MCU, and uh, Martin Scorsese. The Oscars all rolled into one, so it was a big week for headline news. Big week for what we're watching because we actually watched some new stuff as well. Yeah, it's what we're watching. Thank you, Fleabag. I've been both seasons and i may have a new best show on tv michael wow let's just say it this is a deserved emmy sweep if i've ever seen one i know everybody's talking about how veep didn't win mike to me the marvelous mrs Maisel and fleabag are superior seasons of television than veep i mean we didn't even like veeps no 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 veep struggled uh, this year for sure that would have been the ultimate just reward the whole you know series kind of a a, a emmy there so this makes so much sense she is so good phoebe waller bridge getting 20 million dollars from amazon signing that huge overall deal Good for her. Good for women filmmakers and creators. This is just huge news. We're so glad she's staying with Amazon. Amazon's so glad she's staying with Amazon. They're giving her the freedom to do whatever she wants. It is phenomenal for her. I hope she makes a third season of Fleabag because of the way it ended. It's still it's still <laughs> open. I, well, I, I just Mike, what a great character study, and they nail it for 
every single one of mm. these ensemble cast members. I, I love each character, even though some of them are hateable. It, it's brilliant. I'd say, I, I give it my highest recommendation. Watch this show. It's the easiest of binges. I did it in a couple days. It's fun. I want to rewatch the whole thing now. It's that good. It. I got to get into it's it. It's that good. Uh, about the $20 million deal that Phoebe Waller-Bridge signed with Amazon, I'm of the opinion Amazon should have kept that under wraps because I know she made quite a bit less television and successful television than many often wise, but apples to apples in this generation, or this age, we're always trying to compare, we're always worried about gender equality and racial equality and all yeah. that stuff. Benny Off and Weiss signed a $200 million pack with Netflix. Phoebe Waller-Bridge, just fresh off winning every Emmy, again, signs a $20 million pact with Amazon. Again, I know it's different. Look, to be but, fair, she created eight hours of television. Right, they created right. 85 and the, I, the dollars are a huge difference. Right. I mean, they've made billions of dollars for HBO. Mm -hmm. So it is a big difference. It is. There. It is. I mean, to be fair, I don't, you're right. You're absolutely right. Let's see a $200 million for Ava DuVernay. Let's see it for Phoebe Waller-Bridge in the future. But this is a, a good step. Yeah, I, I'm just of the opinion they should have leaked, you know. We're keeping retaining the rights of Phoebe Waller-Bridge exclusively. To be honest, most stories were that way. I had, had to kind of dig for that $20 million figure. Yeah, I saw it very, pretty prominently. Did you? That's difference, yeah. All right, what else? Succession. We finally got a setup episode. This is still great. I love the episode number number seven there. Uh, but we're building to an awesome conclusion. So are we wait. just in the in the range now where you're just going to mention this every week? Yeah, I <laughs> wish I could like re I wish I could like recap it every week. It's just that good. All right, uh, how about episode. a spur of the moment? Not see by skip, but just pick one if you have to watch for the rest of your life. Succession or Fleabag? Oh God, what are you doing to me? <laughs> it's like Star Wars or Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Or MCU. Yeah. You've done this to me before. Yeah. Why? It's like the picking the Yankees or the Giants. I it's take like, joy in this. This is terrible. <laughs> this is terrible. Do I have to go with Succession? Probably, because there's more there. Uh -huh. But if I would love eight seasons of Fleabag. All right. All right. It's great. Mike, I watched Bill Burr's Paper Tiger comedy special. And if you thought Dave Chappelle's stand-up was controversial, my God, this one is even more so. He is... Still very funny in this, like Chappelle was. He is just saying stuff to get a rise out of people. Yeah. And if you take it with that kind of slant, you can get it. But a lot of it is still in very poor taste, in my opinion. And yet it's still funny in other ways. And he kind of backtracks in other ways. And then he pisses you off. And then he backtracks. And I, I get that he's, you know, he doesn't like the public shaming. He doesn't like certain things. I get all that. And I, I'm with him to an extent on things. You don't have to agree with somebody mm -hmm. to, to think they're entertaining. Right. I don't think he's crossing all the lines, but he's definitely crossing some lines. Is it more uh, inciting and inflammatory than the Chappelle stand-up? It's more directed towards women in this one. Like He's gotcha. just basically calling out women, and he's doing the big guy thing. Yeah. Just yeah. breaking Misogynist. their balls yeah. the whole time, and it, it bothered me. Right, sure. I of thought we've of progressed well, to a degree, and it, it, to really get after like the movements that have changed society for for the better, and to point out a few hypocrisies, and then that's like the overarching theme you take away. Out of, yeah. It just empowers guys to be like, well, yeah, of course. Right. Ah. I just want to bring up here, and I was going to say it for what I'm watching, but it just segues very well. Yeah. Uh, some more news. Cody Johnston, Katie Stoll, former Cracked writers, they had their own YouTube yes. series, and Cody Johnston plays this beleaguered, and exasperated newsman who comments on news of the day. They actually addressed cancel culture this week. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was a fascinating episode. It's a total echo chamber because it's just things I believe and agree with anyway, and it's spouted back at me, so I understand mm -hmm. that. So you're I just think, nodding like the right. Will Ferrell Anchorman <laughs> gif the whole time? Exactly, yeah. I, I, they do do a 
good job, I think, of at least addressing why the other side of the argument, uh, you know, they, they say it exists, they try to address why it's not true, mm-hmm. um, but they do bring it up. But they address cancel culture this week, and they address the likes of Bill Burr and Dave Chappelle's stand-up, and they touched on Kevin Hart and the Oscars controversy. And they just did a great job of saying, making the argument that cancel culture doesn't really exist, and really, anytime somebody bemoans cancel culture existing, it's just somebody in power talking about how they're mad they can't say and do whatever they want anymore. Right. And how they're, like, basically yelling down that there's accountability in this day and age for what you say and what you do on a public stage and how it's somebody powerful who doesn't like that there's accountability. It's really a fascinating take, Good. I think. It's on YouTube. Definitely go seek it out. But Bill Burr is touched on within this episode of uh, Some More News, so I just wanted to bring it up. That makes sense. That fits, (laughs) let's just say. I also watched Moneyball. I meant to fall asleep to it. I stayed up and watched two hours of it. It's great. It's been on film Twitter the last couple weeks. I don't know why it's been kind of making the rounds. Maybe it's just because it got put on VOD, but I'm not sure. But for me, I think it might be... One of the best sports movies ever made. It might be atop my list. I, I wanted to watch another Brad Pitt for performance because right. who wouldn't? It's, That's my been my favorite one of Brad Pitt's performances. It's my number one movie of 2011 for a darn good reason. Yeah. and it really holds up. It's still awesome, and it just good. sucks you in. I love Bennett Miller. I love everything about it. Mike, I watched Aladdin last night. Finally broke down, huh? I rewatched. Well, yeah. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. It. You have seen it in the past. That's my fault. Okay. Great musical numbers. My God, I think the Prince Ali sequence is even better than the original wow. for one uh, i love the new song speechless i noticed more flaws upon this rewatch i didn't really sure. want to speak them out because i was watching it with friends and family it was, it was fun but uh i do think uh it kind of forced the plot along at times will smith is a super duper star though it's really been a comeback year for him it holds up it's such a crowd pleaser it made me so happy i just wanted a movie to make me happy so i'm a huge fan i have such a jaded response to it just like that subconscious reaction because in a year where i've been doing pretty well with tea leaf reading and predictions it's the most wrong i've ever been about a film ever yeah you were one to hold grudges <laughs> a little so bit. i don't like that it got one over on me <laughs> So you would hate it going in, and then Correct. it would win you over and warm your heart slightly. Likely. But then you'd be angry that it warmed your heart and Go still on. come down negative. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mike. Uh, well, we already did a C by skip. Sure. So what was the best thing you watched this week? Oh, Fleabag. Easy. Yeah, that Done. seems to make sense. It's great. Pretty predictable. I, oh, I so say. good. Yeah. I want to watch it again. <laughs> I watched TV this week, Michael. You did. And it was, uh, I felt like, you know, it was like middle school again because it was all the new shows coming back and it was appointment viewing for me because that's how I still watch TV. Yeah, You've you didn't talk to me past. during the nights this week at all. <laughs> no, it was just no. like a reprieve because I got no text message rants. <laughs> I was watching stuff. It was nice. It was fun. Uh, Survivor had its big premiere. I still watch Survivor because I've always been a 90 year old man at heart. So CBS is on a lot in my house. Uh, that's fine. There's a talent agent, mm-hmm. a Hollywood talent agent on this cast of Survivor. Is everybody just sucking up to him? No. He's been, like, touching people inappropriately and, what? like, giving massages and, like, offering to back rub people when they clearly don't want it. Come on. How out of touch can you fucking be Ugh. if you're in this industry and doing this? Dan the talent agent. And it was episode one, and they're doing all this. They're highlighting how he's been inappropriate this early and, like... People have had to address him and be like, look, I know you may come from a place where this is okay. And people, oh, I couldn't believe that a man was this out of touch still in the industry. I'm I'm sure that's a short falling. People are laughing at me for having that opinion. But I would think that there are people that are learning their lessons. That was tough to watch, but I just wanted to bring that up. The show overall, though. 
show overall. I mean, it's a typical Survivor. It was actually a weird premiere because they don't. They usually like focus on the the castaways getting off the boat and swimming to shore, and usually have an opening competition. That wasn't the case this season. They're doing things a little differently. It's Immunity Idol Island. They're bringing back two legends from the show that are mm. on a separate island. Mm. They they to their credit to the writers' credits they do try to differentiate every season with like a weirder twist. So we'll see how this one plays out. I this don't know is yet. like the sixty seventh season. This is the thirty ninth. Oh my god, thirty <laughs> ninth season. On the other side of Survivor was the Big Brother finale. The guy I didn't want to win most, of course, won. Of course, the girl I wanted to win most finished third, just out of the money. So that's fun for me. Duh. That wasn't a season wasted or anything on my part. How many episodes per season? Do you remember? 40 something because it's on three times a week <laughs> so <laughs> come on yeah. Mike yeah, it's like our podcast schedule they have like three one hour episodes per week over the summer and it's just talking about nonsense most of the time it's, it's the greatest show in their television. underwear it's the greatest show on oh television oh my god <laughs> I did watch the uh, NBC slate the Thursday slate Superstore I think is the most underrated comedy that we have left at our disposal I enjoy that no wonder Thursday was just a great night for me <laughs> No arguments via text message. The Good Place. NBC has two very high-quality sitcom comedies that are half-hour. They good. get your laughs in. They're good storylines. So those are the, they introduced two new shows. Bradley Whitford and Anna Camp are in this, uh, the new one, one of the new ones, Perfect Harmony. It was all right. Cal Penn mm. is in Sunnyside. He's the star of, a, of the other new show because mm-hmm. they're trying to bring back their Thursday night block of comedy because they know I exist and I still watch television <laughs> on a regular schedule. Uh, Cal Penn is in Sunnyside. That has a chance to be something unique because Cal Penn obviously worked for Obama and he's been, he took time off from Hollywood to actually, you know, like do some good in, in the world and in the country mm-hmm. and, and try to work for equal rights and all this stuff. And he's bringing that to this show. Uh, he plays kind of a disgraced politician that's just been out of office that's now going to try to help this group of minorities become legal citizens. Mm-hmm. So obviously you can see how it works in present day news and straight from the headline stuff. It has potential. I laughed a couple times. I'm interested to see where they go with it. We'll see what happens with that. Uh, I commented on some more news, and the only other thing I watched was uh, SNL. It's back. It had its season debut on last night. We're recording the Sunday. It, there was a Downton Abbey skit, Mike. Yeah. That was exactly... I mean, they played it like a Downton Abbey preview for the movie, and it was the most accurate thing I've ever seen in my life. It was just so perfect. It was as if you and I were just riffing on Downton Abbey like we have been. Oh, that's uh, okay. I highly recommend you right, seek that I, out. I will, I will seek that out. All right, see by skip time, and I am coiled like a cobra here. <laughs> SNL. Yeah. Survivor and Big oh, Brother. Boy. Yes! No, that's tough. I win! No, that's not good. Uh, let's make this... Let's. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Let's make this a C-skip-skip. <laughs> It's a C skip skip. So I can only keep one? You, can, you have to kill two of your darlings. All right, let me see if I can blur my way out of this. <laughs> is it this season of Big Brother or is it forever Big Brother? It's forever. I'm seeing that. I mean, I can't go without that show. <laughs> I'll skip Survivor. the other two. I don't care. And SNL gives you I cannot show. live without that show. Oh it is so God. trashy good. Three shows a week. <laughs> How many seasons of that one? It's. I think it's just had its 21st. But they've had spinoff shows. Big Brother in Space. Big Brother in... <laughs> Paradise. Big Brother X. Yeah, they bring it back. Little Brother. Yeah. Big Brother of the 13th. Big Sister. How does it not? How do we not have Big Sister? I don't know. Ridiculous. I don't know. All right. Let's move on here. Let's get some audience interaction stuff out of the way for some more ridiculousness. Six Degrees of MMO. Judy Garland 
to Harry Henderson from Harry and the Hendersons, <laughs> but by way of Jennifer Lopez, Michael. Yeah, the we may need to actually start implementing more stringent guidelines for these connections. <laughs> Efficiency Award. <laughs> Joe at Joe Messin, S-S-I-N, said this one was too easy. Judy Garland was in rehab, so was Ben Affleck, <laughs> who dated Jennifer Lopez. Their relationship ended after her steamy affair with Harry Henderson. <laughs> I cannot prove this, but it sounds right. So look, funny. obviously it's very quick. <laughs> I think we may have to talk about some kind of guidelines in reality. <laughs> it's just funny, though. Yeah, good good job. job there. A more traditional efficiency award winner here from Our True Crime Podcast at Our True Crime Pod. Not sure if this is what you're looking for, but Judy Garland and JLo were both nominated for a Grammy. So it was John Lithgow. John Lithgow what? was nominated for a Grammy, uh, who was in Harry and the Hendersons. Garland was the only one who won, which is appropriate, because if John Lithgow is walking around close to EGOTing, yeah. we have to talk about that. <laughs> All right, the Lombardi Trophy this week goes to a podcast about something at APA something. Judy Garland famously wore ruby red slippers. Red cowboy boots were also worn by Ted Mosley, so just footwear. Yeah, just straight <laughs> things you put on your feet. Ted, Ted Mosby uh, from How I Married Your Mother, where J-Lo was featured in an episode. J-Lo is performing at this year's Super Bowl, where they give out that trophy, by the way, FYI. Uh-huh. A past Super Bowl <laughs> performer was Ja Rule. Ja Rule was in The Fast and the Furious, in which he drives a car. Harry the Sasquatch scares the crap out of the Hendersons while they're also driving a car. And to think I sat this one out, it's 100% the winner. Why did the NFL let Ja Rule on the Super Bowl halftime stage? Because of the voice. It's murder. Thank you, Ja. Because that voice made him bajillions Here's of Here's your fame and fortune. Unbelievable. Uh, the I Can't Believe We're Talking About These Movie Awards goes to Beyond the Box Set at Beyond the Box Set. Judy Garland was in Justice at Nuremberg with William Shatner, uh, who was with Candace Bergen in Miss Congeniality. Bergen was with Jane Fonda in Book Club. Can't believe we're talking about this. <laughs> Club. Uh, Jane Fonda, rather, and Jennifer Lopez were in Monster of Monster In-Law. I cannot speak. Monster In-Law, of course. I can't believe it. <laughs> and J-Lo and Matthew McConaughey were in The Wedding Planet oh. together. McConaughey and John Lithgow were in Interstellar together. Lithgow... Uh, Lithgow's and Harry and Henderson. Yeah, Lithgow's and Harry and the Hendersons. Thank you. I, if, listen, I'm like Ron Burgundy today. If it's not on the page, I'm not coming up with it. <laughs> you can only read from the teleprompter. All right, the He Pays Attention While Watching Stuff Award goes to Simon, the depressed moviegoer at LFF, at Depressed Movie, that is, uh, for his Twitter handle. Here we go, boys. Harry Henderson's show theme. They made a TV show of this. I watched it. Did they really? Is Your Feet's Too Big. Was Ja Rule in it? He's not in it, but if he's saying your feet's too big. Your feet's too big, matter. Yeah, the world would explode. Uh, your feet's too big is that song, which was recorded by Fats Waller, Michael. I think that's Cheryl's birth name. Fats Waller was Danny Glover's character's hero in Be Kind Rewind. You can't look that this up. amazing. You can't look yeah. this up. You have to remember this. Right, that you is have amazing. To, you have to have that trivia in your brain. Great job, And there. Simon has it, because he's very depressed, but he has he's a great mind for trivia. <laughs> trivia so danny glover was an ants with jennifer lopez j-lo was originally in talks to play lady gaga's role in a star is born the same role played in 1954 by judy garland love that love that great job great job there 
a new award we may have to start giving out if the entries keep getting more and more ridiculous as they have been but i just wanted to shout out a couple people book of the week award yeah with apologies this week to oliver hetherington page who won this award last week who yeah. left us another lengthy lengthy entry Great that went job. multiple tweets this week it's got to go this week to frequent flyer and six degrees hall of famer Wojciech weishore he had a multiple tweet thread that starts off with a tori amos <laughs> song and weaves its way through the sharon tate murder oh. the movie prozac nation Oscar nominations, celebrity relationship, Netflix shows, theme songs, and of course, Stanley Tucci. Of course, Stanley Tucci. <laughs> so uh, if you want to get entertained, both Oliver Hetherington Page and Wojciech Weishor leaving us multiple lengthy tweet threads. If you keep doing that, we'll keep referencing them. Absolutely. Uh, we appreciate those. Go check it out. Book of the Week award winner on our last Six Degrees of MMO Booster uh, tweet. Go check that out. That's awesome. Let's get to the winner here. Yeah. Like, interesting <laughs> Film Facts Award, but it's slash the winner. M.C. Myers at Film Objective. So using only movies. One, Judy Garland was in The Wizard of Oz, on which Donald Trumbull created the tornado visual effect. This is crazy. It was a stocking held up by a chicken wire. How do you know that? You just know that. You just know it. Again, you know, he knows interesting film facts here, M.C. Myers. His son, Donald Trumbull's son, Douglas, was the effects supervisor for Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Imagine that family lineage. You're in charge of the effects for The Wizard of Oz and your son does Close Encounters. My lord. Incredible, incredible. The arts and crafts sessions yeah, of that house. for real. Close Encounters of the Third Kind was directed by Steven Spielberg, who also directed Schindler's List. That was not the way to say it. <laughs> Starring Ralph Fiennes, Ray Fiennes. Fiennes co-starred with Jennifer Lopez and Made in Manhattan for some reason. I love that. Scored by Alan Silvestri. Very so famous composer. Below the line for all this yeah. cool stuff here. Silvestri also scored Predator, featuring Kevin Peter Hall as the Predator behind the mask, who also played Harry Henderson. How about that? Also the alone entry this week who referenced the actual actor who portrayed Harry from Harry and the Henderson. Phenomenal. Great job, MC Myers. A very well earned victory for you this week at film objective objective i should say obj there uh odell mission no <laughs> well you are the winner of all things bragging rights all things six degrees of mmo this week you get to sit upon the new fully furnished six degrees of mmo throne that patented leather seat uh reclines it has Ooh, some space yeah. buttons to it we are in our motley. We're dancing around for your entertainment. Exactly. We are wearing our our jester hats. We are the the kings the king the kings jester the kings comedians just kings comedians. Thank you yeah. very much. Uh, and we'll say that the chair floats this week, right? Because it's got some space like buttons in it. It's got lights. It and does. Stuff. It so does it floats float. if you want it to float. And, and then, mm -hmm. I have to say something. Yep. And. Yep. Uh, the basement is very spooky because it's Halloween, <laughs> and, and it's before right. they, you brought out all of your Halloween decorations. Yeah, that's why you've gotten them ready. You move them out, and that's why we're in ghost masks too, not just Jester Motley. hats, but yeah. Oh my ghost God, masks. that's that? an idea yeah. for a movie right there. <laughs> the jesters, the chair that floats. No, but the jet like <laughs> we're scary, on very different wavelengths. <laughs> scary motley wearing jesters, court jesters, medieval horror movie. It's the scariest episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark had a scary jester. Does it really? Yeah. Awesome. Absolutely terrifying. But yes, MC Myers, uh, we'll get close to back on track here. You are the winner <laughs> of Six Degrees of MMO. Mike, do we have a challenge for Six Degrees of MMO participants this week? So we just talked about Cal Penn's new show on NBC. He, of course, is Kumar and Harold and Kumar. He's in a bunch of good stuff. He worked for the president, yeah, for Christ's sake. You can work all of that in. So Cal Penn to perhaps the guy whose week this was. Yeah. And whose week this will be, Robert De Niro. Who's he is, that? 
He is going to be in the Joker movie with mm-hmm. Joaquin Phoenix. He just uh, is getting rave reviews for The Irishman. He was hilarious on the roast of Alec Baldwin. Yeah, that's We're true. going Cal Penn to Bobby D himself, Robert De Niro. Very, very quick and easy. Those two have started a lot of comedies together, so you shall be able to get figure that out with no problem whatsoever. That is your <laughs> challenge for Six Degrees of MMO this week. We move on to a quick box office update. Maybe a surprise uh, winner at the box office this week. Abominable pulls in 21 million. That comes w- along with another 10.2 million overseas. It had a total box office debut of 31 million dollars. That movie looks adorable too. It looks good yeah. visually. It looks stunning. Agree. A little movie called Doubt Nabby made 14.5, and it is over 107.5, Mike, on a budget that experts are projecting went from 13 to 20, somewhere in there. So it's making bank. Let's get that announcement for Doubt Nabby 2. Well, that's what I was going to ask. Have you informed your mother about how well it's doing at the box office yet to she, let her know that there's a 2 coming? She's checking like her news every day. It's like, <laughs> when is this announced? Why haven't they announced this yet? This is ridiculous. It made five times its budget. Does, doesn't that mean it made so much money that they have to make a second movie? <laughs> yes, she's, she's yapping my ear up about it. She's very excited and she can't wait. Hustlers goes from five at the box office last week back up to three. It pulls in another eleven million dollars, but it's nice to see that a movie that's been out for a sure. couple weeks climbing the charts once again. It's now pulled in over eighty million dollars domestically to go with another nearly fifteen million from overseas and ninety-five million dollar box office. Great. Talking about sequels, are we gonna get a Hustlers two at some point? <laughs> How would that work? Uh, you could do it. Still hustling? <laughs> I don't know. I don't like it. I don't like it. Just I do good. now. Now you do. <laughs> Hustlers 2. Still hustling. All right. It Chapter 2, speaking of sequels, made 10.4 for a $417 million worldwide take thus far. That can't be what they wanted. It's still got to be profitable, but it's strange because they're not mentioning the budget anywhere. If it was like a ridiculous budget, they may not be making the money... The- they, they needed to make? I said when we did the review or last week on MMOW, I can't remember, that the, I found was able to find some someone that said the budget was the exact same as It Chapter 1, which okay. is $35 million. If all that's right, the so case, then, then they're yeah. making all kinds of bank. If it's not, I, like you said, they haven't really announced it or put it out anywhere officially, so who knows uh, what the truth could be. So it's making money. But that's strange that they wouldn't publicize it. Yeah, I, I agree with that. You would think they'd be bragging about that, especially because the critic scores are not probably where they thought they would be, uh, right. especially. But... Who knows? Ad Astra also finishes in the top five once again. It loses less than half of its audience, pulls in another over $10 million. It's up to $35 million total. We're sorry. Domestic. We're sorry. It's our fault. <laughs> It's our fault. $89 million total on this one that also doesn't have a budget announced, though the rumors are that it's about 80 to $100 million somewhere in there, so it's got a little work to do before it starts making money. A lot of work to do, yeah. perhaps. Maybe it'll come out on top after VOD and maybe five years after mm-hmm. it, uh, it goes there. Mike, another big story to me was that Judy did really well, finishing seventh with $3 million in only 461 theaters. That's a really good number for that theater count. I'm so not looking forward to seeing this movie. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I don't know why. I'm just, I feel like I have to drag myself to the theater to check this one out. I'm sure Renee Zellweger is great. She's gotten rave reviews. The movie overall has gotten kind of middling reviews. Yeah. I, I, uh, I don't know that I have any less juice to see an Oscar contender this year than I do for this one. You're fearing that it's going to be that actress-only, mm. you know, single Oscar push kind of a movie, and yeah. it's going to be a crap movie Very that we're going to have to deal yeah. with. That grabs like crazy. Mm. But 
we like her. We like Renee Zellweger. Yeah, yeah. I think I got hyped up by that Scott Feinberg interview with her. The, you know, they were talking about her six-year hiatus. There's a lot of great stuff in that interview. So I'm a little more excited to see it. Some Good. of our friends have Good. reviewed it, Next Best Picture, etc. So maybe I'll listen to the non-spoiler halves of their reviews before we take it in. Good. Hopefully it's it's all that it's worked out to be, and I'm just being a, a grumpy idiot. Uh, <laughs> let's move on now to some trailer thoughts. Trailer thoughts! Couple trailers that debuted this week for us that weren't The Irishman. El Camino had a full trailer. The premise, Jesse is back and is on the hunt for someone, <laughs> something. Those I don't are, know. Those are a lot of scars, Michael. Yeah. Uh, this adds to the intensity of the trailer, this look that he has here. I got to watch like the last episode of the last season there. I yeah, think. I don't remember where we left him other than him escaping the compound. Mm-hmm. Uh, spoiler alert, I guess, but everybody watched the Breaking Bad finale, so not a spoiler. But they're, you know, reinvigorating this story with some heavy stakes. I mean, the fact that he's on the lamb, the fact that he's being hunted by the feds, the fact that he reunites with his old buddies, and it seems like he's, you know, getting armed and dangerous again for some kind of a showdown with somebody that he's going to have like this you know, literal Western gunslinger mm. kind of a, you know, face-off there. I, I loved it. Black Water by Ruben and the Dark Place throughout the trailer. It's a great song. Yeah, good song. Thought the trailer had a great look to it. Uh, lots of, like, hidden in the shadows and intriguing pictures in the daytime where he's, like, digging a grave or something. Just, just don't screw this up. Just please do not screw this up is all I ask. I'm, I'm kind of happy to just be seeing Jesse Pickman and the gang again. I mean, it's going to be... It's going to be the same tone, it seems like, as Breaking Bad. I mean, it, it is a heavy trailer. The, the intensity's there. The filmmakers are, are sticking with it. I, I'm, I'm game. October 11th, let's go. Just don't screw this up. Yeah. <laughs> Spies in Disguise had a third trailer come out. Promise, take James Bond, make it a cartoon, voiced by Will Smith, and then make a tech mishap taken from man to pigeon. Watch hilarity ensue. Who writes this? <laughs> <laughs> and I want to just kiss you on the cheek because I, on the premise level, this is hilarious. Yeah, we talk about how like kids' movies are tough to pitch because they always sound a bit creepy. creepy. This one, it seems fun. This seems it's got fun. a fun premise. This yeah. seems healthy. And the visuals of this, I thought, looked spectacular. And yes. Between abominable and this, uh, we're set up pretty nicely to have a couple animated options at the theaters this year that aren't just Frozen Two. I can't wait, Mike. And Toy Story Four is going to have some real competition. Also, Adam family in October, yeah. also weathering with you when that comes over. We're really excited to see all these mo- movies. Uh, apparently there's a labyrinth of turtles that we're going to also have to reckon with <laughs> as well. I, you know, I don't like the comedy in this trailer that much. Flat, so flat and so childish. Sleepy Night Night is the big line yeah. twice. Uh, whatever. But I, the premise is still funny. And then if right. you start with that, let's go. Right. I'm, I'm torn on this one as far as if I personally want to see it. Because like you said, it does seem a little like blasé. and a little. It's for kids. It's a kid's It's movie. a kid's movie. I mean, it's for children. And so. it looks great. Let's right. see it. Yeah. Uh, wounds. Premise. Army Hammer, a bartender who somehow can afford what must be a half a million dollar house, <laughs> finds a cell phone left behind by some kids after a bar fight and has his world turned upside down due to the disturbing shit he finds on it and also bugs bugs yes also <laughs> bugs but he's a bar owner mike oh okay i don't so know maybe not that would make him lose more money <laughs> yeah that's right uh did he actually do something wrong here was he the one taking the video is this all one big guilt trip of a movie yeah this is my leader in the clubhouse so far as far as 2019 trailers that made me say wtf the most the most because i don't know what the hell's going on because there's like a disconnect between mm-hmm. watching a bar fight go the terribly incident, wrong yeah and as far as what the movie's showing and then finding an evil phone that haunts you to the point where you're seeing wounds show up and bugs show up everywhere. Right. 
I like the idea yeah. that like this is poised to be a commentary on how our cell phones are making us all passive bystanders instead of people that should get involved when we see like a fight break out in front of us or like I saw a news story the other day in our local news about how there was a, a toddler walking on the roof of a house oh and a guy across the street was taking a freaking video of it. Like, I don't know, maybe go make sure the kid doesn't fall yeah. yeah, no, I mean, all that makes sense. All that's, that's all that's wise to say, and I agree with all of that, but I, I don't know if they're going to connect the dots. I'm with you here. One. I have concerns. I don't understand what's going on either. Babak and Vari wrote and directed Under the Shadow, which critics love. Yeah. That was a 2016 yeah. movie, but this one's off to a tough start. 5.1 early IMDb score, 49 meta rating out of the gate. It looks intriguing. Annapurna and a Hulu, Hulu original film. At least Annapurna might have made their money back on this one because they sold it to Hulu out <laughs> of the so. gates, right? I hope so. You wouldn't do that unless you're going to make your money back, correct? Did they make their money back on the Hustler sale? Oh, who knows? <laughs> no, of course they didn't. What a bad move, Mike's sweetheart. Uh, the premise is that you have a girl stranded on an island with a monster that apparently it's one of the best cinema monsters in a while, said the trailer in quotes, you know, with a critic's name attached along to it. It's coming direct to video, though, on October 22nd. Yeah, it's a Blumhouse production. It's a 30-second teaser trailer that's online. They don't really show you anything about the monster in this one. No. Eh. Whatever. I, I maybe will watch it. So Kiersey <laughs> Clemens was great in Heartbeat Loud. Right. She's the girl that's stuck on this island with this monster. I love that she's zigging when everybody basically thought she would just stay a phenomenal singer in every movie she ever does, and she's amazingly talented, and she's going to blow you away with all that amazing talent. In the last Amazing Singer movie, I don't understand analogies. <laughs> But, but why would she not sing in the next movie, Mike? Because she's doing a Blumhouse horror film? I love that she's taking well, a career look, in that direction. Blake Lively cool. kind of found second life as, as doing some kind of genre films that people didn't expect because she did 47 Meters Down, whatever that one that right. she was, did what was her against the shark. Uh, the, the Shallows. The Shallows, yeah. By the wayside. Uh, so this could open doors for someone like Kiersey Clemens. Who knows? Hopefully it lives up to the quote that it, that it picked from the trailer and says it is an interesting new monster movie. So I, I hope it has legs going right to VOD. We'll see what actually does there because Blumhouse doesn't seem to do that too often. So I don't know what that says about their faith in the film. But it can't uh, be good. Yeah, I'm not, not, don't have high expectations. But we're going to watch it I anyway, aren't have we? have high hopes. Yeah, so we're going to watch it. Uh, Primal, Nicolas Cage, he's going to fight animals. On a boat. <laughs> Hey, Nick Cage. Nick. Yeah. As I like to call right. him. Right. Maybe let your hair go gray. <laughs> it's getting a little ridiculous that the, these just-for-men dye jobs on mm -hmm. your beards and your hair. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, of course that's going to be my first take. It looks absurd. <laughs> it looks absurd. You got all these wrinkles. You got all these furrowed brows. Right. You're a distinguished man at this point. Sure. Just let it go gray a little bit. I think that's fair advice. I think that's not bad advice uh, to maybe get out of the, the just for men aisle. Yada, 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 white leopard, world famous assassin, animal fight on a boat. So whatever. this was like a Wednesday just, at the cage house, right? This was just a, there was a camera on. He's trying, he's going full camp, I guess. That's what he's doing. Uh, this has got to be going direct to video too, right? <laughs> November 8th is Give the only. Give this a wide theater roller, please. <laughs> November 8th was the only date I could Throw everything into your marketing for this. Um, Very we strange. do have some sad news we do. to report at the end of this. Obviously, Sid Haig, one of the legends of the horror genre, uh, did pass away this yeah. week. An astounding 148 credits on his, uh, credits, I should say, on his IMDB resume. That's even more amazing when you consider that from 1991 
2001 to 2002. He yeah. only had three projects that wow. he worked on. The Boris and Natasha TV movie. He famously played the judge in Tarantino's Jackie Brown. Mm -hmm. And then he was in the music video in 2003, I think, or 2001, for Rob Zombie's Feel So Numb. Mike, he was one of the scariest character actors yeah. who ever lived. And he even brought that edge to the, the regular roles that he took in Jackie Brown. And I showed, agree. showed his chops in a movie like that. Intimidating presence. Very larger than life. Very booming voice. And it's actually thanks to Zombie and Tarantino that yeah. a whole new generation of fans were able to familiarize, familiarize themselves with Hag's larger-than-life personality. Zombie especially, obviously, would give him prominent roles in his Halloween remake, Lords of Salem, and probably what Hag is most famously known for amongst our generation. Right. His role as Captain Spaulding in House of a Thousand Corpses and The Devil's Reject. I'm still too scared to see either one of those movies, <laughs> and it's mostly because of Sid Haig's presence, yeah. because he was just that good at his job, Mike. Chilling, chilling presence on screen. Character actors in the horror genre have a lot to live up to. They have a standard Agreed. already set, and our condolences go out to him and his family. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you'll get to say goodbye to him. He does reprise the Spalding role one last time in Zombies recently released, Three from Hell. Definitely go seek that out. Yeah. Uh, pay your own homages, and thank you, Sid Haig, for all you've done for the industry and the genre. Let's move on uh, to some Do You Care. segment this is where we take news stories of the week and we ask each other do we should we or will we care about them the way we start every do you care segment is i ask michael here dear sweet childlike wondrous michael why is this becoming a thing <laughs> if we care about this week's upcoming releases the joker's going wide lucy in the sky and pain and glory both open limited do we care am i supposed to give my childlike sweet voice for some reason because you know i lose my voice every weekend yelling at sweet innocent child children yeah Right. <laughs> no, all right. Uh, Lucy in the Sky, of course. I mean, that's the movie of the weekend. Naturally, no, we can move on. And no, I, uh, of course, we're going to cover the hell out of the Joker. We're going to preview it one last time on Orc. We are going to cover Pain and Glory in some way, shape, or form with Antonio Banderas, Pedro Almodovar. We, I love his career. Look, we're crazed about the Joker this week, but there's also a bunch of VOD stuff that I'm going to just mm. watch immediately, I think. In the Tall Grass, we were talking about that, the Stephen King movie coming to Netflix on the 4th. Also coming out on the 4th, Mike, is Memory, The Origins of Alien. That's coming right to VOD. Ooh. That looks really cool. Sure. We also have Maiden, which I wanted to see in theaters, yep. but I was too lazy to go to it because I am a schlub. Naturally. Stuber, which I wanted to go see as well, and that just seems to be funny. And we're going to watch Toy Story 4 again. They all come out on VOD this Tuesday. Yeah, uh, that seems to be a great slate for VOD, like you say. As far as the Joker stuff, Eric Weber of Awards Ace, I just happened to catch his live stream last night after mm -hmm. the Joker premiere. He, he was there, actually, on film with Chris Gore. Oddly enough, uh, any Attack of the Show fans will know him. Mm. Saying that they can't believe that Warner Brothers had the balls to release this as a studio picture wow so i don't know what that entails i'm definitely intrigued a lot i, I have concerns too i will I see too. what happens uh i don't know I'm, I'm just overly curious about the joker movie overall so i guess we'll see uh certainly and when we cover that we'll let you know all our thoughts about it like mike told you absolutely mike do you care that jonah hill is now in talks for the batman this is the matt reeves robert pat the batman the Batman, yes. 
that movie. Uh, he's in talks to play either the Penguin or the Riddler. Those are the rumors. Yeah, I care very deeply about this, as a matter of fact. Jeff Snyder of Collider tweeted that Hill is a longtime Jim Carrey fan and that he appreciated <laughs> the way that Carrey was able to go a little darker with some of his comedic roles. Yeah, yeah. So this might be like a dream fulfillment type thing for him to follow in Carrey's footsteps if it is, in fact, the Riddler that he plays. There's been a lot of uh, competing and contrasting stories about what role he would be suited for. I saw a lot of people online like complaining about Hill's involvement in this as if it would sink the movie and why would anyone see this? What are they talking about? The guy's... Jonah Hill's a two-time yeah. Academy Award nominated yeah. actor who's a comedic genius. He's a great director. Like, in what world is adding that guy to your property taking anything away? I think That's it's... That's asinine. Absurd. Who hates Jonah Hill? That makes no sense. Let talented people do talented shit has been sure. my standby, and I would love to see him in either role. I I'm, hope it's the Riddler, though. I'm hoping it's the Riddler as well. Yeah. And I don't think that's just because we were both once short and fat, <laughs> right? I, I mean, you were... Once. Well, once. <laughs> but now you're tall. You're, you, right, you're now I'm tall, tall and fat. You know, if your, your back blows out, you may be short again. <laughs> but, I mean, that doesn't mean he has to pay the, play the penguin, right. Mike. Mike, this would be a huge win for dieting short people everywhere. I would like him to go against type either way, because we've seen Jonah Hill be chubby. We've seen him be very fit and in shape. I would like, to, if he's going to be the penguin, be a svelte jacked penguin. If you're going to be the Riddler, be a fat, rotund Riddler. That's I would thing. love to see either of those. I want him to get this Riddler role after just <laughs> lobbying and just... Just you eating kale in the interview room, in the in the just pull it to pull a fast one on the producer, and then gain a hundred pounds to play Edward Nigma. I would love this. That is Jonah song. Hill's Hollywood baby? You're in my world, <laughs> Fat Riddler. Right now, give it to us, Mike. More streaming news from last week. We commented on Seinfeld getting five hundred million dollars from Netflix to be shown on there. They still have cable syndication rights. How is this possible? They just made a half a billion dollars to give it to Netflix, and Netflix doesn't have exclusivity people could still watch this on cable television the whole point was that netflix would get more people to subscribe to netflix the people that would cut their cords that's why larry david has the freedom to just ramble in and show up on random snls portraying barry sanders whenever he wants to we need to write Barry Sanders, Bernie Sanders, Bernie Sanders. Let's Larry David portraying yeah. Barry Sanders. I would also watch on SNL, by the way. He has, he does not have the uh, hip flexibility. <laughs> I will just say that right now. But Mike, we need to write a sitcom. We need to call it the Podcasters, <laughs> or we could call it the Podcasters. Your brother could be like the crazy zany neighbor who always drops in. It'd be perfect. It'd yeah. be a smash hit. We need to write sitcoms. And if God friended me or whatever gets a second season, <laughs> anything we write should get a second one. Yeah, we're, we're good. <laughs> we should at be on we our would, way to syndication. <laughs> Uh, in a follow-up, you know, from Slash Film here, Mad Men is looking for a new streaming home. You know, shit. Yeah. And the sun rises in the east. <laughs> Everybody should. I mean, $500 million. Right. I mean, that's what we mean. They, they don't know the value of these things right now, and that's kind of where it's this whole new landscape. God, those dead sheets at these streaming services are going to be unbelievable. Oh, my goodness. Mike, Jurassic World 3, do you care about it? No. You do I didn't care about the first two. Uh, they're bringing back Laura Dern. They're bringing back Sam Neill. They said that all Jeff Goldblum's coming back. Yeah, you're the Jurassic Park guy. Do you care? Oh, nostalgia, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. <laughs> I make that a song. I write things yeah. for our segments for and Simon and that was something fans. I wrote. That was something I wrote, and I had to say, I guess, because I thought it was clever at the time. But when it came out, I don't know if it was clever. It was kind of corny. 
Here's Are you going to get into this story? Or? This is this is happening. Why wouldn't it? Of course, it. after all of the remakes that we've been getting, after all of the nostalgia-fueled sequels to requels to remakes to blah, 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 of course we're going to get Sam Neill and Laura Dern. Of course we're going to get Jeff Goldblum. Mike, I hope Neil and Dern have cheaper by the dozen amounts of kids in this movie. <laughs> That's that, all I got. That would be a twist. All right, so I'm one for two uh, in did, the jokes. Did you enjoy the first two Jurassic Worlds? I enjoyed that they got the park right, and okay. they really blew it out in the first movie, and then I didn't like the last half of the finale, and I didn't like the second movie. All right. Yeah, that's fair. I, I just, They have no appeal to me whatsoever. Yeah. And I know I'm in the minority because people love <gasps> dinosaurs, so fine. <laughs> uh, Mike, Rambo, the original director of the original Rambo, has come out and said that he is embarrassed by the way that Rambo is portrayed and treated in Rambo Last Blood. This do is we sad. care about this? Yeah, I kind of care, because this yeah, is I sad. I had wanted to see this movie. I was going to squeeze it into a double feature with Ad Astra. God, am I glad I didn't do that. <laughs> that that would have been, been awful. That would have been a long day. <laughs> that would have been so long. I would have hated Ad Astra like five times worse. <laughs> oh, you mean Rambo wasn't always meant to be just an arm of the establishment and take down minorities for no reason? <laughs> the hell you say? What is he doing? What are they doing? Why would Slice... I mean, is this what Slice Stallone believes? Uh, Rocky franchise. Yeah, a little... Well, Rocky franchise. Yeah. All He's right. just fighting minorities. Fair point. Every one of Fair those. point. We should have seen his, this coming. Built his whole career on That's... it. That's... And, yeah. Well, I'm glad Mark Rylance won that Oscar a couple oh. years ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. 1980 yeah. sucked. Mike, the <laughs> Uncharted movie is, quote-unquote, back on track with Travis Knight, director of right. Bumblebee, set the helm this yeah. thing. I, I, I'm not sure I care yet. Okay. Because okay. define what back on track means, because this this property is very popular. It's a very popular video game series, but it's been the adaptation has been booted around Hollywood for years, mm -hmm. pretty much since the video game debuted. I'm not saying I don't think this is actually going to happen, but Knight is the fifth named director this property has had since its inception and the most recently one was the 10 cloverfield lane director dan trachtenberg who took the job in january mm -hmm. and walked away in august so it hasn't really had a lot of luck with getting very far off the ground i hope for people who are desperate and want to see this movie it's i'm not one of them i never played the, these games but i know they're very very popular and there's a lot of people who do want to see this movie i hope this is the end of the setbacks for you and i hope travis knight who was a wildly talented director yeah kubo and the two strings bumblebee he made a lot of money and was very critically praised for bumblebee he was overly praised for kubo and the two strings uh so he knows how to make a decent movie regardless of budget one had 60 million i think the other one was 135 right I hope that Knight sticks with this, and I hope this is the end game for this franchise, for this property, I should say, and I hope it gets made into a movie under Knight's watch. I hope that Tom Holland gives like a different kind of performance too. That That's interesting. Good. Yeah, that would be... he's been doing the same thing for a while, you know, with the Spider Man's. Well, Nathan so. Drake, I don't think is a very like aw shucks protagonist. He's like a rough around the edges type guy that Holland would be playing. So hopefully, yeah, this could be like his Indiana Jones transformation. Like, I, I don't necessarily need him to have stubble. Like, you could keep a similar boy face look. But what? I mean, he's probably going to have stubble. I mean, it would make some sense. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I think that's an interesting point. It's not what I thought of. I would like to see Tom Holland be something else. Don't be Ray Romano. Yeah. I'm kind of against this project, though, a little bit here, Mike, because Dan Trachtenberg's, like, our hero. We podcaster turned filmmaker. Yeah. He's like, we love him. He's so. great. I would also like to say, whether it was Trachtenberg, whether it's Travis Knight, I don't care. Right. Video game movie adaptations deserve a forerunner. They deserve a torchbearer. They deserve to have a go-to director. Mm -hmm. Because 
there are so many great stories in these video games that lend themselves so cinematically anyway. They they have like cutscenes that are very beautiful and yeah. they deserve to be portrayed on the big screen in real time by practical effects and real actors. And like the best we've had so far as far as video game adaptations have been like a Tomb Raider reboot and those 18 Resident Evil movies that had nothing to do with the video games. And they're all kind of guilty pleasures right. at best. Right, exactly. And Uwe Boll, who is just a name you can't speak of amongst <laughs> video game uh, forums. So we des- Travis Knight, take this ball and run with it. Mike, I'm going to give you two in a row here. Jason Bateman, uh, he is set to direct the remake of Clue, starring alongside Ryan Reynolds as well. Do you care? I'm going to turn this around on you and ask you two questions about this because we just <laughs> talked about this and it happened. We talked about Jason Bateman yeah. winning the Emmy, obviously, for directing an Ozark. Yeah. We enjoyed his work directing Bad Words. So he gets hired, he gets this job working with Ryan Reynolds. So there's two things I want to ask you. Are we getting to a point where more and more A-listers from the entertainment world are going to turn to directing and producing reboots and remakes? Because we've had, like, Ryan Reynolds and Clue. Chris Rock is doing Saw. Danny McBride. All these people from TV and movies in the stand-up world taking these properties and getting hired by studios, but as, like, behind-the-camera people. The Ringer and Bill Simmons, they've talked about the player empowerment era mm-hmm. in the NBA. Good point. I think this is kind of the actor empowerment era in many ways. I, I think it's true, and I think it's a good thing. Yes, it's there's precedent for actors turning directors, not only for passion projects, but as in terms of the industry at large, Ron Howard, et cetera, et cetera, in modern years. So, of course, uh, this happens often enough. And, and they win Oscars, like Kev, Kevin Costner, etc. So, of course it happens. Greta Gerwig is coming out with uh, Little Women this mm-hmm. year. It needs to happen. It's a good thing. I, I don't disagree with it. It's an era thing, though, as well, because I, they're going for it more often because yeah, it's a succeeding. Good point. I think that's a good point. It seems to be, you know, studios still have the power as far as who they can hire and attach them, but I wonder if these actors are just advocating more harshly, or if they know there's more money to be made, or if they think it'll just drive up intrigue. I mean, the Halloween reboot, just because it was Danny McBride and David Gordon Green, yeah. before we saw it, we were very interested in it. I, I think it's also a, a testament to the craftsmen and to all the below-the-line, you know, producers, etc. Not producers are below the line, but all, all of the craftspeople in the film industry, if they can handle, you know, the cinematography, if they can handle all the technical stuff, then you can have an actor who's just great at directing actors be mm. the director of the film, and they can delegate the rest, and they can get on, just get on the same page. We talked about it in the Tarantino rewatch series where he's like, I don't have to be an expert in all these other right. ways after talking to you know the directors that he admired because that wasn't his job. He can rely on people. It can be a team effort, and that's definitely been the case with all these big studio productions, I think, and uh, it's a refreshing in a way, and it's given a lot of creative onus to the, to the other team players here yeah i think that's i think that's a really good point and i I wonder this whole player empowerment quote-unquote type thing i wonder where the natural end game leads i mean so do we have actors just taking over studios at some point i know that's a wild jump to conclusion but if you follow out the natural progression of things do we get to that point like 50 or 60 years interesting Hmm. uh my second question about this do we need a remake of clue there are do we want one there are worse remakes to get i guess uh I'm just guessing that Knives Out is going to be a thousand times better than this, and we're going to be like meh on this one. Really? So you you you're trep you're trepidatious. Is that a word? Trepidatious. Yes. Of all the words I create, you think I would just speak I without think, thinking? I think it's a word. I, you? Yeah. You have you feel trepidation? I think. I feel trepidation. This has been a good English lesson from Mike, Mike, and Oscar. But so you're worried about a Clue remake? 
I'm worried to an extent, but Jason Bateman's done a decent job with the stuff he's directed. See, that's the where I land. I love yeah. Jason Bateman. I love Ryan Reynolds. I love Clue. I love the original Clue. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I want it, but because it's them. But we also love chamber piece mysteries, though, at the same time. Mm-hmm. So if this is like a genre kickoff kind of a thing with Knives Out, with you know Murder on the Orient Express. Oh, and Whodunits these, might be my favorite genre. Whodunits so, yeah. are, are a lot of fun. So if people are willing to do it, if they're willing to put that time into the writing process, because you really have to have a strong script. Absolutely. Let's go. Yeah. All I'm right. In. Well, that's where we land on all these stories and more. That is your Hollywood Week in preview and review. And once again, we start off your Monday with MMO Weekly, and we appreciate you listening. But as always, we do want to hear from you about any of these stories or anything else we touch on in the MMO Empire. We want to hear your thoughts, comments, questions, concerns. You can leave those with us at Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at Instagram, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at Mike. Oh, boy. You know, it's been a long episode. At MM and Oscar on Twitter is what I should have said there before my stumbling my words. Mike, Mike and Oscar at gmail.com, dot com, and on Reddit. We are available everywhere you hear podcasts, including and especially Apple Podcasts. So whether you own an iPhone, just use iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Or if your friend has an iPhone and you don't, steal it. Go on their podcast app. It's a little purple uh, purple button there you could tap with a little white line coming out of the center of it. It's a really odd-looking phallic thing. I'm not sure what they were getting at. I think it's an antenna. I'm, I, I encouraged you too far in this uh, ramble. <laughs> but if you go on their podcast app or yours, yeah. obviously, yeah. tap on that. Type in Mike, Mike, and Oscar in the search and submit. You could be able to see Thank our you. Halloween logo. Tap on that. Scroll down once you'll see the opportunity to leave us a five-star review. If you can do that, we would appreciate that very, very greatly. Michael, what are some words of wisdom and what's coming up next from MMO? So much Joker stuff coming up next. We're going to cover Joaquin Phoenix's movie, we hope, for this weekend. We got Jared Leto's episode still to come next I believe yeah. and uh, Oscar Ace Checkpoint is going to deal with a lot of those big stories coming out about the Joker we're and we're gonna... actually going to do an Oscar Ace Checkpoint yeah. this time. Yeah we'll have that uh, orc back in your rotation this week in terms of wisdom Mike we just got to watch a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff it's... like painting. Glo- uh, for, uh, we got to do Judy it's coming starting. up we have it's to watch starting. so much stuff <laughs> And I, I'm I'm excited, but I'm also wary because here it comes. 2019 has been like living in an avalanche country, and it's just like, oh, it's snowing. It's fine. It's a little snow. <laughs> and then like nine months have been building up to this tiny, tiny snowball. Yeah. And like, it's just a snowball. What could possibly happen? And then someone comes along and just kicks the snowball down the hill. <laughs> and now that snowball is just going to roll and roll and gain speed and momentum and mass and power. And we're just sitting at the bottom of the hill watching this tiny snowball hurtling towards us and we're like huh i wonder how much damage that snowball is gonna do we are but we are like sick cult eyed followers that are literally running (laughs) or gimping whatever you want to say towards that snowball giving our spreading our wing we're like take us in we pray to the altar of the snowball is what you're saying yeah i agree i guess weird. <laughs> Guys, when reality sucks, you can come watch movies with us. We're Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness and with more snowball analogies. And we will see you soon. See ya.